Congratulations on the book. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on your show. Well, it's a real pleasure. The the, the new book uh, is full of discoveries, both very small and very significant. If there was one new development in the world of archaeology and the world of the archaeological correspondence to material you find in the Bible, uh, what uh, surprised you most? Uh, What impressed you most about the recent discoveries that you're talking about? I would say that there are a few things. So uh, in my research, I was surprised by the amount of material in Mesopotamia that has been glossed over by many people looking into biblical history and archaeology. So cities this like This is today's Uruk Iraq, and, right? To... Yes, absolutely. Iraq and, and even a little bit in Iran. But these are often left out. Uh, because there's so much of a focus on Jerusalem or on the surrounding area, Israel and the Holy Land. But there's a lot of really incredible finds from Mesopotamia, uh, some of which the excavations were a century ago, but others have been more recent. But major cities like Uruk and Babylon, Nineveh and Ur and, and even Susa. So that was something that I came across over the years of research, but there are also a lot of new excavations that are being done or have been started fairly recently. Uh, If we look, for example, to the New Testament and the area of Turkey, Colossae is a site where they are just starting a new project, and it has never been touched before. And uh, what does that new project looking to uncover? It's really looking to uncover any part of the city because uh, until recently, it was only surveyed. That is, people went there and they would look at the site, look at the topography, pick up some pottery or look at other uh, artifacts that might be on the surface, and then they would make some judgments based on that. But nobody has dug it, and so that's really going to turn up a whole new set of information about this fairly major city from the the Roman period and the Greek period. I know that uh, having traveled with you to Jericho, uh, one of the things that was fascinating is you have done some research on the actual walls of Jericho, and there was one extraordinary detail that you found out archaeologically that really makes you wonder about that biblical account. Can you explain to folks? I think they'd be very appreciative to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Jericho is is one of my favorite sites, and I've done quite a bit of of work regarding that. And the wall is fascinating because when, when the wall was first excavated, and whenever more of that wall continues to be excavated, what we find is that the, the bricks, the mud bricks that composed the city wall, they fell forward in front of this stone retaining wall all around the city except for a, a small section on the north. And this is contrary to what we would expect if there was a, a normal attack or a normal siege on Jericho. You might see 
one section of the wall battered inward by battering rams, or you might see a siege ramp constructed over the top of the wall in one section, or perhaps even a tunnel. But none of that is what you get. Instead, you get this fallen wall, basically falls upon itself, like Joshua says. And then you can use that fallen wall to climb up into the city quite easily rather than having to scale the walls. And how did you have, a, when you were doing this new book, uh, did you have a specific uh, focus on how it would be different from other books about biblical locations or biblical archaeology? Yes. So what I had noticed is that most of the books about different sites or locations in the Bible and, and archaeological or historical books, uh, they tended to focus exclusively on one region. Most of them, of course, are going to be on Israel and the surrounding area, but uh, others might look at, say, Turkey or or Greece. But I really couldn't find hardly any that looked at all of the Bible lands, and the ones that did only had a few locations or they were very outdated. So I thought there was, there was a need to fill this niche and do not only all the Bible lands, but get more sites in there and get updated information. Are there any sections of uh, your book that you anticipate are going to generate particular controversy? Yes, I think there are several sites where some of the information I present and some of the inferences and conclusions are definitely going to generate controversy depending on people's viewpoints. So Jericho would be one of those, as we talked about. Uh, another would be I, or even Hatzor. So a lot of these Joshua Judges connected sites would have some of that. Uh, Jerusalem during certain time periods as well, when we're talking about the Kingdom of David and, and the Palace of David, or even uh, building of Solomon. So there are going to be sites that will generate more conflict or uh, contrary discussion than others, but usually it's going to be a very specific time period or component of that site rather than the entire city or the entire entry would, wouldn't be filled with disagreement. Uh, speaking with Dr. Titus Kennedy, a field archaeologist, he's the author of the new book, The Essential Archaeological Guide to Bible Lands. He is also a uh, research fellow at Discovery Institute here in Seattle. And uh, uh, when we come back, uh, if if we could uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the ways that archaeology has changed the perception that was there for many, many years that uh, the Bible was a series of far-fetched stories with little historicity, with little proof that those stories actually had a basis in uh, the real past. Uh, one of the things about the new book, The Essential Archaeological Guide to Bible Lands, is it brings that uh, controversy right up to date. Uh, he talks about discoveries from more than 70 key locations and historical sites stretching across Mesopotamia, today's Iraq and a little bit of Iran, 
Egypt, Anatolia, in Turkey and Greece, and yes, uh, Israel and Jordan as well. Uh, we will be right back uh, with more from Dr. Titus Kennedy, author of The Essential Archaeological Guide to Bible Lands. Coming up on the Medved Show. Portions of the Michael Medved Show are brought to you in part by the Discovery Institute. And on the Michael Medved Show, talking about a very exciting new book, which is called The Essential Archaeological Guide to Bible Lands. And whether uh, you are actually planning to visit those Bible lands yourself in uh, the Middle East, uh, or you would like to have the experience of visualizing, seeing some of the uh, fairly amazing photographs and uh, other reproductions that uh, are used to illustrate the book. Uh, this is something uh, that does indeed uncover biblical sites of the ancient Near East and Mediterranean world. The author is Dr. Titus Kennedy, a field archaeologist and uh, a research fellow at Discovery Institute. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, comes across in uh, this book, and it's very much worth knowing, is that the the period of time in which you're particularly interested, the period of uh, the exodus from Egypt and the uh, reconquest, reentry into Canaan for the Hebrew people, uh, you date that as uh, much earlier than a lot of, of previous estimates would be, going back all the way to 1446 B.C. Uh, what, what leads to that earlier uh, dating, and why is it particularly important? Well, we, we get that date by starting with Solomon. And to get Solomon, we have to look at a lot of other connections to various kingdoms, such as the Assyrians and the Babylonians and so forth. But Solomon's a good starting point because his reign is almost universally agreed upon by archaeologists and scholars. But then we look at a passage, First uh, Kings 6.1, which tells us that in the fourth year of Solomon, he started to build the temple in Jerusalem. And it tells us that his fourth year was the 480th year after the Exodus from Egypt. So we're able to just do a simple calculation there. And if we're taking those as solar years or as literal years, then we get to about 1446 BC for the Exodus. Uh, as a result, there are actually quite a few scholars who take that date. But as you said, it is earlier than some popular and long-standing dates, uh, often generally in the, the 13th century B.C. or the 12th century B.C., where some other scholars would place it. And the, you, you talk about Solomon and uh, his father, King David. Uh, I know that there have been modern archaeologists and scholars who basically say these monarchs of ancient Israel did not exist, uh, that this is all part of the legendary material in the biblical text. How do we know better uh, based on recent discoveries? 
Well, one of the biggest finds was made in 1993 at Tel Dan in northern Israel, and this is called the Tel Dan Stele. So it was a victory inscription of the Arameans, the kingdom of Damascus, enemies of Israel. And on it, they had stated that they had defeated various Israelite kings, and then they put them in connection with what's called the House of David. So they were saying they were from that royal dynasty, which King David began. And that was really the first clear evidence that we had outside of the Bible from, from ancient times that told us David was, in fact, a real king of Israel and the founder of the dynasty. So that was huge. And since then, there have been other discoveries, like his probable palace in Jerusalem and various fortified cities around the region, which indicate that there was actually a a large kingdom, not just a little city-state in Jerusalem that he ruled over. And uh, in in terms of the existence of the uh, temple, I know this has been a very heated pol- political issue. Uh, there uh, are uh, people in the Palestinian Authority who insist that uh, neither the first temple nor the second temple uh, ever really existed. Uh, uh, how do we know better? Yeah, it's interesting how this has developed fairly recently. There wasn't so much protesting against this in the past, but uh, it is, as you said, it's become a political issue. Uh, but we have some, some very powerful evidence uh, for for the temple during the time of Herod the Great, and Jesus especially, uh, from sources like Josephus and also just from the retaining wall that Herod built and uh, earlier versions of that from the Hasmoneans. But if we push back to the first temple, then we have some inscriptions that illuminate its existence for us, like these potsherds with writing on it called Ostrakon from Arad, which mention the temple, uh, as well as a debated but possibly authentic artifact called the Jehoash tablet. And then there was a project called the Temple Mount Sifting Project that uncovered very strong evidence of sacrifices and use of the Temple Mount area going back to the time of Solomon. And one of the really important things they found there was a ring of a priest from about 600 B.C. So I think archaeologically we can really present a powerful evidence for for both the first and second temples. And what about, and and this is something that people are very, I know, uh, stunned about when they go to Israel and they go to Shiloh because Shiloh was the location before King Solomon uh, began the building of the first temple uh, where they had what is called the tabernacle, the Mishkan, uh, that had been brought out of Egypt. And uh there's also been a, a great deal of archaeological work and discovery done uh, there. That that existed, uh, according to the biblical text, about th- for 360 years before the temple was built? Correct. And some of those excavations at Shiloh have been very important in establishing the plausibility of Shiloh as a center of of worship and sacrifice specifically because they found this massive pile of sacrificial bones, basically like a huge garbage dump. 
and there hasn't been a bigger one found in the region. But when those bones were analyzed, they found that none of them came from unclean animals. So, so that <laughs> is, they fit the requirements of the Mosaic Law, and this is quite different from what you would find at, say, uh, Canaanite or Philistine sites in the region. And uh, so basically you're talking about turtle doves and uh, rams and sheep. You're, you're not uh, talking about... Uh... Uh, uh, pigs, for instance, who who might be sacrificed in other cultures. Correct, correct. And if you excavate at Canaanite sites, at Phoenician sites, Philistine sites, etc., you will find a lot of pig bones in the mix. But you don't find that at Israelite sites of the Iron Age, and you also don't find that in this sacrificial bone pile at Shiloh. And how young were you when you first became fascinated by archaeology and biblical history? Is this something that has been a lifelong uh, concern and and passion of yours? It, it has, in some ways, at least since elementary school. Uh, third and fourth grade, I had my first interactions with archaeology. One was a visit to an archaeological site that had also had some uh, rebuilding done so that you could see what this ancient village looked like. And then the next was reading a book on the excavation of Troy during the time of Heinrich Schliemann. So that got me introduced into the world of archaeology. I found out people actually went to these locations and, and dug into the ground to find new things, and it was fascinating. Well, again, that whole story of uh, Schliemann and the discovery of, of Troy at a time when many experts believed Troy never existed. This was just a uh, uh, entirely a Greek legend and uh, until they actually found the outlines of the city. Uh, T- Titus Kennedy, let's hope we can get together. I know we're talking about it. We're going to wait till the conclusion of some of the violence that's going on in the Middle East now, but to another uh, Discovery Institute uh, trip to Israel. Uh, And I hope you will guide us through some of the archaeological sites as you did before. His new book, Titus Kennedy's, is The Essential Archaeological Guide to Bible Lands, Uncovering Biblical Sites of the Ancient Near East and Mediterranean World. And closer to the modern day, uh, we are about to conclude a chapter of history in New Hampshire. Polls are closing in a couple of hours. What does it all mean? We'll get to that and more in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth. a month. And when you use your credit card, you'll receive this limited edition t-shirt 